And then second thing is this. I know we talked about baptism a little bit last week in the message and in, in your small groups. And one of the things that came up was, well, I was baptized as an infant at whatever church I went to. Um, do I need to be baptized again? <laughs> and you know, one of the things that we believe here at Fellowship is a thing called believer's baptism, which means you get baptized as a believer. After you, after you accept Christ, you then go public. And I tell people this all the time. You know, baptism is a symbol of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I have a wedding band, which my wife is here somewhere, right there. This wedding band is a symbol of my marriage to Tiffany. It doesn't mean I'm married or not married. It's a symbol for everybody to know that I belong to Tiffany, that we, I, I am married. And baptism is a symbol for people to know. You go public for people to know that you belong to Jesus. Does that make sense? So, I know some of you guys are interested in baptism. Our next one is on Easter weekend, and that'll be a great time for you to be baptized. You can talk to me or your small group leader, and we can um, give you details on how to do that. So, to the message. All right, um, what we're going to do tonight is kind of continue our conversation from last week, or from two weeks ago when we met. And Christianity, the Christian belief, it hinges really on one event. And that event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the Bible, even though the Bible is very important. It's not even Jesus in terms of Jesus as a person, even though Jesus is very important. It's the fact that Jesus died and he rose from the dead. That's what all the Christianity is based on. And the resurrection is important because it validated everything that Jesus was about. And if we don't understand the cross, which we spend, we're spending three weeks or four weeks on the cross, if we don't understand the cross, then Easter Sunday, Easter weekend, is just another churchy holiday that we come and dress in our pastel colors and we listen to a message and we sing a couple of songs and we go have lunch for our families. It doesn't mean anything if it wasn't for the cross. So that's why we're looking at the cross over these next four weeks, over the, over the four weeks. So... Tonight, like I said, I want to go back and look at John chapter 3. If you were here two weeks ago, how many of you guys were here two weeks ago? All right, we're going to continue that story and look at this guy named Nicodemus, which we know him pretty well now, so we can call him Nick if we want to. We're, cl- we're tight. Nicodemus and Jesus, this conversation that they had. And when we answer the question, you know, why did Jesus have to die? We'll begin to understand that when, when Jesus died... It allows us to be changed. It allows a transition to take place. And that's what we want to look at tonight. So Nicodemus, he was a, what is he? Anybody remember? Pharisee. He was a Pharisee, which Pharisees were good. Was, they were good people. They were good at being good. They, you know, they had to follow the, the religious law. They had to do all these good things, and they thought the, the, the gooder you were, I know that's not good English, but the gooder you were, the better you were with Jesus, and the better you were with God. Um, he was probably highly educated. Um, they followed the, the, they lived by the strictest possible religious rules. Um, he was probably a man of high moral character. He was wealthy, he was powerful, and he was well-respected by people. But the Pharisees, they did not like Jesus. They did not like Jesus. Why? Because everybody else loved Jesus. I mean, Jesus was doing this teaching and, and these miracles, and people were, were loved 
following Jesus and, and seeing Jesus. And they were tired of the, the, the Pharisees telling them you have to live by these standards, which Jesus was not about that. But there was this small group of Pharisees, and we don't know how many is in this small group of Pharisees, but there's a small group of Pharisees that thought differently. They thought maybe Jesus came from God. Maybe he was the Messiah. And one of these people in this small group was Nicodemus. And this group sent good old Nick to Jesus to ask him some questions. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. This conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. John chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John 3, starting in verse 1. We looked at this two weeks ago, so it should be pretty familiar with you. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by what? Night. And said to him, Rabbi, we, which is a very important word because it's not just me. This is not Nicodemus. It's a we. Uh, there's a group of people who sent Nicodemus. It says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs or these miracles that you do unless God is with him. So what Nicodemus is doing there, he is, he is setting Jesus up. He's like, now we've been watching you. We know that you are from God because no one else could do these things if they weren't from God. And before Nick could even ask the question that he came to ask, Jesus answers the question that Nicodemus came to ask. Look at verse 3. It says, Jesus answered him without even asking the question. He answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, and Nicodemus is probably like, oh my gosh, like how did he know? How did he know this? That was my question that I was going to ask. How do you get into the kingdom of God? And that's the question, I believe, that's the question that all of us ask at some point in our lives. How do I know that I am in right standing with God? How do I know that when I die that there's something good for me? Is there any way that I can have assurance on where I stand with God? And Jesus says that the only way to have assurance is to be born again. And this probably flustered Nick. Like he didn't understand what was going on with this, be born again. And then he actually asked this question. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Which we can't even think about that very long because it's pretty gross. Right? So he was a well-educated guy, yet he didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He was very confused. He was confused because Jesus wasn't talking about gaining more knowledge. He wasn't talking about learning another law. He was talking about a life change. Being born again doesn't mean that you have to learn another verse. It means you go through a change. Let me show you this illustration. Some of y'all have seen something like this. Um, this is a baby from when they're first conceived into the mother's womb until they're born 40 weeks. All right? So this is kind of the change that happens in a baby when they're in the womb. That's why it's important that you go to a certain stage of your pregnancy because lungs have to develop, heart has to develop, and certain things. Why is this important? Because no amount of education or religion or discipline can change your nature. Don't fool yourself into thinking that knowledge is the key to life. Knowledge is good, 
but it isn't the key to change life. And there's a difference between knowing facts and understanding truths. So Nick knew the rules. He knew the facts. He was a man of high morals. He knew how to live, yet he didn't know the truth about Jesus. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and that is your first birth, that is your physical birth, which, good news, you, got, you have all done that, right? <laughs> You're here. You've been born physically, right? Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nick was like, okay, please explain this to me. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. All right? Like, you know, dogs have dogs. Cats have cats. Mice has mice. Giraffes have giraffes. People have people. Are you with me on that? Which is born in the flesh is flesh, and that which is born in the spirit is spirit. So listen, if there's going to be a birth in the kingdom of God, the spirit of God has to be a part of that. So there has to be a new birth experience. There has to be a spiritual birth that takes place. Now remember Nick, he, his view of God was kind of like a school teacher, if you, if you can understand that. Like, all right, you did good, you did good, you did good. Oh, that's not so good. That's not good. Oh, that's good. Extra credit, Nick. Good job. And he had this kind of view of, of God like a school teacher. Like, I, have, I hope I have a, more right answers than I do wrong answers. I hope I have enough to pass the class so I can go to heaven. That was kind of his view of God. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. That's not it, Nick. Even though you're a good man, You've got it wrong. Just as you were physically born and you have a physical set of parents, there is also a spiritual birth that happens between you and God. You must be born again. In verse 7, Jesus said, Do not marvel or do not be surprised that I'm telling you this, that you must be born again. And once again, Nick, he kind of was confused and he questioned Jesus. Verse 9 says, how can these things be? Like, I don't understand. How can these things be? In verse 10, Jesus answered him, you are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and yet you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, listen to this, except for he who descended from heaven, heaven, the Son of Man. So in this verse, this probably freaked Nick out a little bit. Nicodemus is probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because Jesus just claimed in this verse to be the Son of Man, the Son of God. And Nick knew that he came from God. He knew something was different about Jesus, that he was a good teacher, that he was a miracle worker. But with this statement, he just claimed to be God. And Jesus then goes to Nick's wheelhouse that we looked at last week. He goes to the Old Testament, Numbers 21. And he says, just as Moses, remember this? Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. But everyone who believes, Nick was like, okay, don't you mean behaves? Like, don't you mean to do enough good things? Because I was taught that we have to behave our way to heaven. 
And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You don't behave your way to heaven. You believe your way to heaven. And then that conversation ended. And Nicodemus, he goes back to his group of Pharisees. He tries his best to explain this conversation that he had with Jesus. And then you just keep reading the Gospel of John. And we're going to kind of get through the Gospel of John tonight. As you read the Gospel of John, he, he had interactions with the, the woman at the well. He had inter, interactions with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And he goes up to this woman thinking that maybe he was going to condemn her. He says, no, 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 I'm not here to condemn you. But I want you to go and leave this life of sin that you're living. Go and sin no more. Stop sinning. It's only hurting yourself. And he goes and he, has, he does all these miracles, or as, or as John calls them, signs. He walks on water. He feeds 5,000. He heals a, mind, a, a blind man who was blind since birth. And then Jesus heal, hears about one of his good friends, Lazarus, who was very sick, almost to death. And he finally makes his way to where Lazarus was, but it was too late. He's been dead probably a couple of days. And John records the shortest verse in the whole Bible where it says, Jesus wept. And then he does the unthinkable. He tells the people to move the stone away from the grave. And he calls Lazarus to come out of the grave, and he comes out. And the Bible says he stunk. And he came out. So he does all these miracles. And look at John chapter 7. Because I want you to see kind of what the Pharisees are thinking through this. Verse 32 says this. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. The chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So they wanted him to be arrested. They were done with Jesus. Verse 45, same chapter. The officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? So apparently they were with them and says, why didn't you bring him to us? You were there. Verse 46 says, the officers answers, no one has ever spoke like this man. Like, they're, they're like, something's different about him. We couldn't bring him. There's something different. And the Pharisees answer them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? It's like, okay, have, have you guys believed in this man that we're trying to arrest? That we're trying to get rid of? Are you, are you one of them now? says, but the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And in verse 50, we see our second time Nicodemus is mentioned. Nicodemus, who have gone to him before, who was one of them. Remember, he did it in secret. He did it at night so nobody could see him. Said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? So he's kind of taken up for Jesus. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't just arrest him. Doesn't our law require us to let him testify about himself? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So Nicodemus, he was kind of watching out for Jesus. And actually right after this story that we saw in in, in Lazarus chapter 11, they set out a a plot to kill Jesus. Scripture says that, that Jesus would no longer walk around these people openly. And all this was taking place near the Passover and they, they knew that Jesus was going to come back for the Passover to celebrate. 
And they sent this out. Uh, John eleven fifty seven says, Now the chief priests and the Pharisees have given orders that anyone who knew where he was, where Jesus was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. So they were coming after him. And Nicodemus, we don't know this for sure, but I bet Nicodemus was around this. Like they, Nicodemus knows that the Pharisees were trying to arrest Jesus. They're going all out for Jesus, like a search party. They're going after him. And Nicodemus is watching this. And finally, Jesus was arrested. Remember, he was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested. He was put on trial with the high priest. And it's my hunch, we don't know again for sure, but it's my hunch that Nicodemus was there during his trial. And he was falsely accused. And then they sent him the Pilate, who had the power to crucify him. In John 18, 28, says this, they led Jesus from the house of um, Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They, let's check this out. They, talking about the Pharisees themselves, did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So they were worried about going to Pilate's house because if they did, they would be ceremonial unclean. But yet they were trying to kill Jesus. That's crazy. And Pilate comes out and says, okay, I've had these conversations with Jesus. I don't know what Jesus has done to deserve death. What has he done? And then they all kind of shouted, this man deserves to be crucified. If you were here three weeks ago, we talked about the crucifixion and what goes into the detail of the crucifixion. And Pilate's like, I don't understand. Like, he has not done anything then Pilate had this idea because during Passover, it was a custom to release a prisoner. And he brought out Barabbas, which was a nasty man. He was a thief, a robber, and people could not stand him. And they brought out Jesus. It's like, all right, it's our custom to release a prisoner back to you. And he knew, like he just knew that they were going to release Jesus because of how bad Barabbas was. It's like, who do you want? And it's like, Barabbas, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And I was trying to figure out a way to illustrate this. And the only thing I could think of was with a Cadbury egg. Because I was thinking, what is something that's very heavenly? And Cadbury eggs are very heavenly. And they're right up there with Krispy Kreme donuts. All right? And so this Cadbury egg is going to represent Jesus because it's very heavenly. And guess what's going to represent Barabbas? A peep. Does anybody like peeps? Oh, see, there is still need for salvation in this room because peeps are nasty. It's so nasty. So this is Barabbas. Nobody likes Barabbas. Nobody likes peeps. If I were to ask you, all right, which one do you guys want? Just imagine all of you guys saying, I want peeps. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Why would you want peeps instead of the cabinet egg, which is chocolate and filled with yummy stuff on the inside? Why would you want this instead of this? And they just kept shouting, give us peeps, 
give us peeps. And it's like, all right, there. Have your peeps. And then Pilate asks, listen, Pilate asks, and Matthew says this. He says, what shall I do then with the Cadbury egg? And what do they, what do they say? Crucify him. So you would say, eat it. And I will later. But they had Barabbas and Jesus. And they're like, give us Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. Give us Barabbas. And Matthew says, what then shall we do with Jesus? And they said, crucify him. Crucify him. And it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Because Jesus has done nothing wrong. They kept shouting, crucify him. And then Pilate says, all right, I got this. I know what I can do. I'll beat him almost to death. So he had him flogged. Remember, we had the, the cat of nine tails here a couple weeks ago. They beat him. Almost unrecognizable. They put the crown of thorns on his head, not just like place it. They shoved it on his head. And they brought Jesus back out. And listen to what John 19 says. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Here he is. You see what we've done to him. And they're hoping, he's hoping that maybe they will see, Oh man, that's, that's enough. All right, we've done enough. You can release him. It's like, here he is. Behold the man. Verse 6 says, When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find, find no guilt in him. And through a few more conversations, finally Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. I want you to imagine, okay? Nicodemus. Again, we don't know for sure, but it's my hunch that Nicodemus is there. And he's watching all this take place. He saw Jesus being beat. And they saw Jesus carry his cross to Golgotha, where he's going to be crucified. And they saw the soldiers put nails in his hands and his feet. Now imagine he's trying to look over the crowd because the crowd is so big. He's trying to see what's happening. And then as they raise Jesus up, they start raising him. Nicodemus could see Jesus being raised higher and higher until finally Jesus is up. And I bet Nicodemus was like, oh my gosh, he was right. It makes sense now. Just as Moses lifted the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Talking about himself. That everyone who believes may believe, may have the thing that I was asking for may have eternal life. Just as Moses lifted the snake 
in the wilderness. And he's watching this take place. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes, not behaves, not who gets it right every time, not who's perfect because we're not perfect, everyone who believes will have eternal life. Then it clicked for Nick. Jesus was the Son of Man. He was who he said he was. He came from God to take away the sins of the world. You enter the kingdom of God not through your behavior, but through belief, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting what he said he would do and what he did. And it's from that point forward that Nicodemus was done hiding. Remember, he was hiding this, hiding this whole time. He was done at this point. It clicked for him. It's like, oh my gosh, he is the Son of God. He was right, and he was done hiding. And in John 19, we get this, we find one more story of Nicodemus and this guy named Joseph of Arimathea. And he goes to Pilate and he asks for his body. Look at John 19, 38. 39 says, after, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but what? Secretly. Here's somebody else who is a secret disciple. Why? For fear of the Jews. Joseph of Arimathea, he was a secret disciple. He didn't want people to know that he was following Jesus. And how many of us are secret disciples? We don't want people to know that we're following Jesus. For fear of the Jews. He asked Pilate for, that he might take his body. Take the body of Jesus away. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. And who was with him? Nicodemus also. Who earlier had come to Jesus by night. Came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. Weighing about 75 pounds in weight. So here they are. Two, two dudes who are secretly following Jesus for years. And here they are. Like, I don't care anymore. And they go to the cross and they take in front of everybody, whoever's left there, and they take Jesus' body down off the cross. And they take him to a burial plot. And they bury Jesus. They put the stone in front of the grave so that he would have his proper burial before sundown. And they're in the open, they're no longer hiding. You know what? This would be all really bad news. All three weeks that we've talked about so far would be bad news if it wasn't for Easter Sunday. Because three, three days later, we know what happened, right? He came out of the grave. They came looking for him. And he came out of the grave. He rose from the dead. So why did Jesus have to die? Because it was necessary. It was necessary. Paul tells us in Romans, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus' death was not a remedy. It was the only possible remedy for sin. Jesus' death on the cross was not just a remedy. It was the only possible remedy for death, for sin. 
And Romans 3 tells us, for all have sinned. That's you, that's me. There's no perfect people here. No perfect people are allowed. For all have sinned. We all are sinners. And the only possible remedy for sin is the cross. When Jesus died for us, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus understood that he was the only way, and that he must be lifted up on a cross as the only way to have a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So Nicodemus, he came to Jesus questioning him. He heard the gospel in a conversation with Jesus, and he went from questioning Jesus to believing Jesus. It's what we believe, not how we behave, that determines where we stand with God. It's what we believe, not how we behave. You can't behave your way to heaven. It's what we believe, not, what, not how we behave, that determines where you stand with God. And it's my prayer that if you're here tonight, which you are here tonight, but if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that you'll talk to your small group leader, you'll come and talk to me, and let's figure out, let's, let's learn how you can take that first step in following Jesus. Because it doesn't matter how good you are, you can't get to heaven You can't have eternal life based on that. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you um, again for the cross. Thank you that um, we can come and we can have eternal life simply by believing that you did what you said you would do. And God, it's my prayer that if anyone here does not know you personally, that they will come to know you tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just um, convict the hearts of those who need to be convicted. And God, I pray that you would just bring salvation in this place tonight. God, we love you and we thank you so much for the cross, for your love for us, for the grace that comes with the cross, that we don't deserve salvation, but you freely give it to us. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And as, as we sing this last song, simply do business with God. If you want to sing, that's great. You can sing, but if you don't want to sing, that's fine. Just talk to God. Have a conversation with God. That's what salvation is. That's what that's how you... Begin this relationship with Jesus Christ is simply by having a conversation with him.